The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. I'm Sean Oshadi, and as always, I'm joined by my man, the Prince of Positivity himself. He is the king in the north, and his Toronto Raptors are actually putting the fear of God into all of Philadelphia today. He is Alexander K. Lee. We appreciate you for joining us. AK, my man, how are we doing today? you got to be feeling top of the world. you got to be feeling great. I'm in, a, I'm in a great mood. Staying alive. It's all gravy. I see some people saying like, oh, well, you're still going to lose the series. And it's like, guys... The Toronto Raptors fans were like, we, we were ready for a sweep a few days ago. So it's all gravy here. If they win another game, great. If they lose at home, I mean, that would suck. But I mean, it, at least the fans can say bye to the team, which was after really like a really fun, surprising season. And uh, if they somehow become the first team to come back from 3-0, I mean, it, it doesn't even need to explain how incredible that would be. But it's, it's all good from here on out. Just enjoying the experience. Uh, and let me say, Shaheen, your sons will be fine. Your son's oh, will be fine. I, it's that. always darkest before don't, the dawn. Don't make promises that you don't know. I'm not promising anything. Like I said, there's no promises. Just like I'm not promising that the Raptors can complete this comeback. I'm just saying I, I, I've i seen enough from your team that I really feel like I, I, I they, that they, they can weather this storm. I mean, I hope you're right to break the fourth wall. We're recording this Tuesday morning. This is going to come out Wednesday morning. So another Suns game will have already happened. I might oh, be right. obscenely depressed by the time you're all listening to this. <laughs> Because I don't know that Phoenix can handle losing in the first round after the greatest season in the history of our franchise. Like it's just not a thing. So I don't want optimism. Cautious optimism. That's what I would recommend. Cautious I don't. Optimism. I don't even want to entertain the idea of that oh. happening. I just. I. I will say, as someone who's going through their own personal struggle right now with these NBA playoffs, <laughs> seeing what you guys are doing to Philadelphia and the panic that is setting in within the fan base of the Philadelphia 76ers is hilarious. It's really and fun. delicious, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so couldn't thank happen, you. For couldn't that. happen to a. Couldn't happen to a nicer group. Of people. <laughs> 
Uh, well, it is so good to be back. Uh, I appreciate you holding it down for me last month, AK. Um, I was obviously gone during the last rankings show. I missed you so much. And I think a lot of the listeners and, and readers did too. Well, you absolutely crushed it, carrying it. You were doing the Lord's work out there. And now I'm back to where I belong. And Lordy, Lordy, what a month it's been, my man. I mean, I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful April. It's the end of April. You guys already know, but just in case you don't, this is our once a month look at the MMA Fighting Global Rankings. And we're coming to you actually a week early this month again uh, because UFC 274 is next week. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, so we might figure might as well just roll this out early. Uh, and so looking back at what we just experienced since the last ranking show, it's quite a bit, right? Three UFC events, three Bellator events, PFL season's rolling. You got two PFL events, plenty more, tons of movement this month. And we're going to talk about that later in the show with our good buddies, Damon and Jed. Uh, but AK, I'll just throw it to you first to start us off, man. I mean, the biggest movers and shakers of the month. When you look at the list and mull it over, who's your MVP of April? Who won the month? It would be very easy to go with a, a popular welterweight who we've talked about a lot in our podcasts, a lot in our rankings. He's listen, he he gets people's attention uh, and uh, he made a big jump, you know, which we'll talk about later. He made a huge jump and really is worthy of being called the MVP of the month. But there was someone, an actual UFC champion who made a little bit more of a a more subtle move up with a performance that was outstanding, a title defense that was amazing. Uh, and even though it was against kind of an overmatched, you know, replacement opponent, I feel like it sparked something in the fan base that has had them looking at him in a new way. So I am talking about Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, okay. The UFC featherweight champion. Uh, I didn't, I didn't expect this. I, I was absolutely not expecting you to pick this. I love, I love big rankings jumps. Of course, when you see guys jump like four or five spots or, or again, in, in the case of, uh, in this welterweight, we'll talk about in a second, seven spots. That's great. But I think when you're at the top, when you're at the one, two, three spot, it's so, other than, of course, beating one of the two guys ahead of you, it's so hard to make any move. But somehow, uh, our, our man, Alexander Volkanovsky, has, has claimed the, the remaining first place votes that were, that were eluding him. He's now unanimous, eight first place votes, and, and he moved up in our pound for pound rankings, which is super difficult to do. I think a lot of us, our default is to kind of keep, unless something crazy happens, kind of keep the 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 pound for pound the way it is. Especially at the all, top, right? Like, especially at the right tippy at the top. top where there's not a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, we're very happy to have Kamar Usman up there, Israel Adesanya, uh, Francis Ngannou, the three kings. It makes for a great headline. It looks cool. There's a certain symmetry to it. Uh, and both, all three guys are amazing, dominant champions. But Volkanovsky, he right now he is at number three. He's gotten in there, and again, when people, not just the zombie fight, but looking back to the Ortega fight, uh, yeah, he, you know, it was there were some danger moments for him, but he really did clearly win that fight. Two wins over Max Holloway. The resume is as strong as anybody. I mean, the question now is, are we underrating him? Um, uh, is there possibly could you say he's the the second best uh, uh, fight uh, pound for pound fighter in the world? I still I don't think anyone would make a case for him over Usman. But I'm sure there's some people that are thinking over at uh, Adesanya. And then when you're taking the spirit of how some people look at pound for pound and kind of favor smaller guys and, you know, view them as more skillful and and can kind of project, oh, well, if, you know, if Volkanovski was 185, he beat Adesanya. If he was 170, he beat Usman or whatever. If he was a heavyweight, he'd beat Nganu. It makes it even easier to kind of look at him as legitimately, at least according to the only rankings that matter, the MMA fighting pound for pound rankings, the number three pound for pound fighter in the world. So... Look at that. By making, yeah, by making that move, I will say he he won the month. He won April. 
I am so surprised to hear you say that because that was actually going to be my pick. And I thought I was sort of doing something sneaky here of like, oh, AK is not going to pick Alexander Volkanovsky because you've already been high on him. Like you've been on the Volkanovsky train, I think, for this whole time, whereas there we have had a few um, stragglers. And I would consider myself in that as well, where I was one of the people who was who was consistently voting Max Holloway as the number one featherweight in the world out of pure stubbornness at this point. I, I, I'm freely accepting that and acknowledging that I was wrong and I was just generally being very stubborn about that. But same too with the pound for pound where I moved him. I made him a, a seismic move up for him in terms of the pound for pound for me this month where I, I put him as my number two guy at this point. Like I feel like he, he had been Kamaru Usman to me feel like the two best fighters in the world. And that was not something I was willing to say even a month ago. So I actually agree with you hundred percent. I think Volkanovsky low key won the month and it's sort of something we have talked about in a lot of different shows. And actually we'll get to it more later on in the show when we bring in our, our extra two panelists of, it feels like something switched with the way people are perceiving Alexander Volkanovsky with this last win, which is very interesting because it's not like Korean zombie is his best win and he has better things on the resume but it does feel like the perfection that he sort of put out there for the world in this fight and just the the way he's approaching all of these various title defenses and fights and the, and the way he's almost running circles around these guys and leaving them to make so many decisions in real time that is just too much overloading their brains and, and no one knows how to really approach this guy except for that one really close fight with Max. It's kind of unassailable. You're just wrong at this point if you're not if you're if you're still playing that flag on the Max Holloway is number one train. So I actually agree with you. I think if Volkanovski is my MVP of the month too. And if we look overall at the at where we stand compared to where we were last month, our biggest jumps of the month was something you just mentioned. Actually, it was twofold. But on the men's side was the one you just mentioned. It was the the one that actually came in the welterweight division. We have Hamzat Shemaev. He is now officially a top three welterweight in our rankings. He has jumped from number ten to number three after that win over Gilbert Burns. Whereas on the women's side, that was our other big jump. We had Jessica Andrade jump from unranked to the number four straw weight for her win over and Amanda Lamoche re-entry back into that division. Uh, and that actually gives her a top four spot in two divisions because she's also the number two ranked female flyweight. First fighter I can remember in these rankings kind of occupying the same two division space to that degree where she's such a highly ranked person in both. Uh, whereas on the flip side, we had a few names fall out. We had Jermaine Duranamy actually fall out of her number three spot in the bantamweight division. That one was due to inactivity. We have an 18-month threshold to compete. As you know, AK, she finally passed it. Um, and also, happy trails to Marlon Marais as well. He's retired, so he exits our rankings. Out of everything we just mentioned and a lot of stuff we didn't mention, what sticks out to you? What was the most impactful moves do you feel like of this month? Well, listen, I was saving the Hamza talk. Like I said, I easily, I easily could have let off with it. Uh we have been saying for the long and, and actually this is this is a good discussion for you and me because so he ended up at number as at number three, big jump up. Not surprising he beat Gilbert Burns, you know, uh, uh, past uh, title challenger. Now I have I put him all the way up at number two in my rankings, and my explanation is pretty easy, so I'm gonna let you go first. You still have him outside your top three. So what is your what is the um what's the reason why is he you can you can tell people who's ahead of him and and, and why uh why is he not quite in the top three for you yet? Um, so, I mean, my top three right now are Kamaru, Colby, and mm -hmm. Leon Edwards. And so that's, I, I've, I mean, at this point, you could really exchange Hamzat with Leon, and I wouldn't argue with you. I think Kamaru Colby is the top two. 
and that's sort of definitive in my mind right now. The rest is is, is workable. Like I, I think Hamzat probably has the best win between him and Leon, the Gilbert Burrs win. But I think Leon just there is more of a body of work there that I still respect. If you're still in this division and you're doing it every time out, I, I tend to put some weight into that. So I, I wouldn't complain if any if somebody has Hamzat at number three over Leon. I wouldn't say that's wrong, but for me, I'm not ready to do that yet. I have, I have joined. I'm looking at it now. My goodness, I just realized I have joined Jed. Jed. Jed Mishu has been way ahead. Uh, calling comes at number two. I think he this is he did this two months ago. I want to say yeah, uh, a bit ago. to to some some controversy. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm with him mainly because for me it was just a matter of uh, MMA math. I've actually had Burns over Cummington this whole time. I think since we started doing the rankings, I've always had Burns my number two. So it's pretty simple. Shamaya beats him and, and takes the two spot. But um, yeah, I understand Covington has been the number two for most people, and uh, a win over Burns doesn't necessarily give him that spot and which is why so many people including uh including uh Hamza's coach are saying we want Covington next seems like the next logical step up uh very sellable fight I think a lot of people hope that fight happens I don't see why it can't but I think we've said that in MMA a lot before so uh fingers crossed all the money's right and all the timing's right and we can see uh, Hamza Shemaev and um Colby Covington at some point in the in the near future yeah absolutely and we're gonna bring in the rest of the crew here in a few minutes um but and I'm sure there's also gonna be plenty of gloating in that too uh because there are a few things to gloat about but AK quickly before we do that let's look ahead to what's next because you look at the slate for May it's pretty busy you have four UFC events over the next four weeks two more Bellator events PFL season full swing like we said so weekly events pretty much from here on out UFC 274 is really one of the most stacked cards that we've seen of the year. We're getting Justin Gaethje back, Charles Oliveira. That you got even Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler on that, Rose, Carla. Like, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Kayla Harrison's coming back, same exact week. Uh, and I mean, the main event really we've all been waiting for Ryan Bader, Chuck Congo too <laughs> for the Bellador heavyweight title, baby in Paris. Like, come on, there's just a lot what to if like. Congo wins. Oh my god! What if Congo wins? I've had a listener. I oh think it's. I, I should. I think it's our our usual. I think it's our on to the next one, pal. Tristan Gordet. If I'm mistaken, I apologize for the um whoever it is that's been harassing me about Czech Congo ever since we start. If I forgot your name, sir, uh, polite sir, who's been bothering me since we started doing the rankings. Why? Why is Czech Congo not ranked? Czech Congo's been doing this and this and this for so long. Da, da, da. Uh, I believe it's our pal Tristan. If it's not, again, I'll, I'll correct it on social media or something. But um, yeah, listen. If Czech Congo beats Ryan Bader, I don't care if it's an ugly decision or some, I don't know, some weird, like even a controversial decision, unless it's an absolute robbery, we're, I think we're all going to have to rank them. I don't know, man. <laughs> what, I mean, Euro. Ryan Bader Ryan Bader right now is number 10 in our he heavyweight is. rankings. He is. The idea of writing down Chuck Congo in the year of our Lord 2022, you know, in my top 15 at heavyweight is, is giving me, it's giving me heart palpitations. It's stressing me out. Chuck Congo has got to be 44. Something like that, right? Like that's not I'm not I'm not I'm not talking crap here. He's 46, my guy. He's 46 years old. So in the year of our Lord 2022, if he beats Ryan Congo, 40 uh, Ryan Congo, Ryan Bader, 46 year old Chuck Congo could be ranked at heavyweight (laughs) in the only (laughs) rankings that matter. That's wild. We're going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, If we come to it. Touch on quickly the other thing he said. Yeah, listen, Oliver versus Gaethje coming up. Super exciting fight. There's not a lot to say about it. It's really like whoever wins, I feel like should be is whoever wins is the number one lightweight in the world. Uh, one per- member of our panel will disagree. They've been uh, they've had that uh, Islam Makachev pack going for a while now, and that's fine. And I don't I have a feeling this result will not change that, which is weird. But anyway, for most of us, 
people, if Gaethje wins, you will see him at number one in our rankings. If Oliveira wins, he'll stay where he is. Well, so that, that was going to be my question. What's, oh, what are you eyeballing? Like, what's the biggest storyline here, yeah, rankings play, well, that you think we're going to be talking about at God, this time like next month? <laughs> I don't think you want to know what I think is the biggest. Like, I'm touching upon these because, look, these are title fights. Obviously, they're important. I mean, Carla being number one would be crazy. I mean, obviously, she was at one point the number one strawweight in the world before Yuana Yachechek, like, you know, made her UFC debut and coming yeah. off the Ultimate Fighter. It was a very weird scenario. But at one point, she was number one. So if all these years later for her to be number one again by beating the same opponent who she uh, beat in the Ultimate Fighter finale to become number one. Very bizarre. But it is possible that you will see Carlos Barza at the top of our rankings. Uh, Congren Bader already talked about. Shane, I don't want to scare you. Oh, <laughs> we could be close. To another Holly Holm title shot. What? <laughs> she fights. She fights Caitlin Vieira, uh, and the main event, the main event of UFC Vegas 55 on May 21st. Uh, look, uh, she uh, who's ahead of her? Like Raquel Pennington would be like ahead of her. Uh, of course, Amanda Nunes is fighting for the title next, but Raquel Pennington, she's beaten twice. Um, how they like giving Holly Holm title shots. Caitlin Bayer on our rankings is number seven, so it's a quality win. She hasn't fought Juliana Pena yet. If Juliana Pena does retain against uh, Mena Nunes, there's a very good chance, depending how all these uh, uh, how how that uh, Pena Nunes fight goes, Holly Holm is next. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not ready to get there with you, man. <laughs> I think there's a giant Ooh. step that you're missing. Of like Pena has to do this against ha, the man. Of course, again. of course. Like that's of a course. lot. You're I'm asking. just warning people now. It's not a tornado yet. But the winds are kicking up. I just want people to know, like, oh, it's getting a little windy. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to go into your house yet. But I'm just saying, be prepared. <laughs> Get some proofing up. Get some proofing up. Maybe just prepare just in case. Uh, chop down that tree. You know, there's a big tree next to your house. Maybe call the city to chop that tree down now before the storm comes. Uh, this is. I'm just doing a public service announcement. And uh, the last thing, this is, and this is personal, uh, Alexander Rakic could make a big jump. Could make a big jump. He is fighting uh, Jan Blahovitz, uh the next UFC Vegas card, I think. Yes, big opportunity before. for him. Yeah, big opportunity. Fingers crossed. This fight stays together. It's been it's been uh, delayed, postponed before, but uh, yeah, that's just a few things that I think we just coming up. We're coming off a pretty eventful month, and we got another good one ahead of us. And uh, yeah, man, the sum the sum this is the summer of rankings or the upcoming summer of rankings. I feel. Well, you know, AK, those were all great answers. I can't I can't argue with any of them, but you're wrong. Ultimately. You, you, you didn't pick the right answer. You didn't come upon it and you didn't even stumble upon it. I figured you maybe would walk into it and, I, and then I could jump in. The answer is my guy, El Kakui, is making his comeback. I mean, come oh on. God. The El Kakui train is still going. I'm still driving the train. I've been driving this train for 10 years. Everybody's <laughs> bailed. I'm the only person left on this train. I'm looking around wondering where everybody went. Uh, it's happening. The El Kakui renaissance is upon us. And it, it's, it's going to go down in Arizona, in my hometown. We're going to have the honor and the privilege of seeing this man rise from the ashes and prove everybody wrong here against Michael Chandler. And then who knows? El Kakui title reign coming after that. You know how it goes. Uh, I don't believe any of that, but that would be really cool. I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. If El Kakui could somehow do it, Damn. he's still in this game. I mean, I'm here for it. We have a lot of respect for him. He's number seven. He's number seven. He's right behind Chandler. This is perfect matchmaking. Seven versus six. So it's not out of the question. I just, but I, one thing I do know is I feel like this is going to be another fight that just takes even more years off both of these guys' lives. I'm just telling you, I, we don't want these fair weather fake fans jumping back on the bandwagon <laughs> after Hell Kakui comes out here in Phoenix and does terrible things to, to Michael Chandler. If you're not on right now, you can't get back on. It's just me. 
I'm the only one left, but I'm not welcoming anybody else once this goes down. Just throwing it out there. So, so you need to get on now or it's not happening. Shaheen, we are here for you, not against you. We're here for you. <laughs> We're for you. Look, I'm just mentally preparing myself for a very sad outcome, if I'm being honest. Both both possibly what happened last night when people are listening to this podcast and... <laughs> Oh, jeez, AK. I'm just, I, I thought that's what you were saying. I thought you were jeez. saying possibly the state you're in now when this podcast is actually, you know, uh, on, on the air and also what could happen in, in uh, next weekend. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, we'll talk about it next month. Let's say that. In the meantime, let's take a quick break and then we're bringing in the rest of the crew. We are back, joined now by the boys. You already know. Damon Martin, Jed Mashu, we appreciate you fellas for coming on as always. And so we're jumping right in. We had a ton going on this month, but by far, there was one division I think we all disagreed on the most. Uh, and I think you can guess what that is. Jed, what's, what's the most nonsensical division in MMA today? The division that simultaneously is probably the weakest we have, one of the weakest we've seen, but also like kind of weirdly compelling because of how ambiguous it is right now. Do you know the answer? <laughs> it's gotta be 205, my man. That's, that's been the case for basically since John, I'm going to say retired because he hasn't fought and I don't think he's going to for a while. Certainly since he left the division that it's been absolute anarchy. I'm pretty sure everyone in it is bad. <laughs> uh, and that makes it really fun. Uh, you're not wrong. I mean, it's the light heavyweight division. It is the, it's so strange, this place we've gotten to with 205. This was once the glamour division in the UFC, the division of stars, the division of Chuck and Tito, Rampage and Vandalay, Randy and Rashad, Shogun and Machida, Jones and DC. And now where we're at today is just a very, very bizarre place when you look at those names. <laughs> so bizarre, in fact, that somehow this month, a fight that didn't even have a real result uh, Corey Anderson's no contest with Vadim Nemkov and Bellator somehow had a fairly seismic effect on our 205 pound rankings, despite the fact that, again, there was not really a result in that fight. Uh, so right now, as we speak here today, this is how our light heavyweight top five listed out on MMA fighting this month. You had 42 year old Glover Teixeira in the number one spot still. And then Bellator number one contender, not even champion Corey Anderson holding down the number two spot. He moved up. Uh, number one contender for UFC, you're Prohaska three, former champ, Leon Bukovic in four, and then Bellator champ, Vadim Nemkov, finally coming at number five. Pretty weird. Uh, but the thing is, this time around, for the first time ever, we were not only totally split as a team on who received those first place votes, it wasn't even close to a consensus. We had three different fighters end up with more than one first place vote. Glover got four, Corey got two, Yuri got two. And so, fellas, we're going to start out today. We're going to play a little game. Game called State Your Case. Each one of you gentlemen represents one of these three factions. AK over there repping for, for Glover Teixeira, the OG. Damon repping for Corey Anderson. He's been on that train for a long time. And then Jed, you're repping for your boy, Euro Prohaska. When The Rock passes over to you, it's simple. Just state your case. Why is your guy the number one light heavyweight in the world? And let's see if maybe we can sway some hearts and minds here today and bring out some sort of consensus. So AK, I'll swing it to you first. You are repping for the number one fighter in the world right now on these light heavyweight rankings. Glover Teixeira, why, why are you right? 
State your case. I somehow have both the easiest and hardest uh, argument I feel like to make here. Uh, fortunately, the UFC is still the biggest name in all of MMA. When people think UFC champion, they generally think uh, that that person is the standard bearer. As we've said, Bellator. This has been a long. This has been a long time developing. This isn't a new discussion of oh, is the Bellator light heavyweight division the best? This has been going on since at least last year probably before that um when bader and phil davis and and then of course they signed Corey anderson uh it really got people talking and Corey anderson does have a not recent but i mean it was a convincing win over glover to share and i guess a lot of people feel years later it was probably arguably even more favorable for Corey anderson but but i'll i'll say this uh as much as i enjoy mma math people know i love using the obscenely expensive mma math calculator to figure things out uh, this is one situation where I'm going to I have to point to strength of resume uh, and, and almost a quality performance. I do like that uh, that the is a bit more of a uh, I would say more of a finisher than a Corey, though Corey's been on a good run. But I think Glover has been beating the better competition. This is always a difficult thing to quantify when we're talking promotion to promotion. That's, I, that's why I understand people will default to head to head when they fought who won. Corey Anderson, that's fine. But I think if we dig a little bit deeper, I, I favor I favor uh, Glover's wins over Jan Blahovic over, and if you want to do MMA math, Jan holds one win over Corey Anderson, blah, blah. Jan Blahovic, uh, Maheta, I think is a good win. Anthony Smith, I think is a really good win. Um, his work, I, I, maybe I'm including uh, some of Glover's past work. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I'm looking at too much of his career as a whole. And I'm also not a believer that Corey necessarily just runs through him in a rematch. Um, again, impossible to predict. I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. But it's not like I was so blown away by Corey's uh, performance against him in their first fight so many years ago that I'm like, oh, there's like Glover has no chance. Corey Anderson would be heavily favored. I don't think Glover has no chance. So based on strength of resume, maybe uh, some sentimentality. It is the UFC. It is where I think where the majority. I think we can still agree the majority of the top talents compete. Even at 205, I'm, 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 I feel comfortable saying that uh, the old man, Glover Teixeira, is the number one light heavyweight in the world today. Well, let me go ahead and, let me go ahead and speak for the true number one light heavyweight in the sport, being Corey Anderson, because while I respect AK's opinion, <laughs> it's completely wrong. Um, here's the thing. I like Glover. I do. I like Glover. And his story is incredible. What he's done these past couple of years is unprecedented. To be 42 years old, become a champion. Again, the you know, the last run of, of the old the old samurai, so to speak. It's it's an amazing story. That being said, we can't erase, you know, Glover's entire history. He's been on a great run recently, but he hasn't, you know, he he had been, you know, before he went on this run. He had almost kind of been forgotten about a little bit because he did go on a bad tear there for a while. And one of those losses was a short notice. Let's be clear about this. Corey Anderson took the fight on short notice, like two weeks notice, and washed Glover Teixeira. Washed him hard. It was a blowout, complete lopsided decision in three rounds. Now, yes, Corey did lose to Jan Blachowicz, but that's not a bad loss. And also, let's not forget when they fought the first time. Granted, several years ago, he molly whopped uh Jan Blahovic over three rounds it was a lopsided completely one-sided fight in that regard since then Corey we can't forget of course Corey also had some good quality wins in a row in the UFC before losing to Jan since then he picked up a quality win and a blitzing win over Brian Bader again I know we all want to discount Ryan Bader now but at the time 
Ryan Bader was still ranked in, you know, top six, seven light heavyweights in the world. And then to go out and do what he was doing to Vanim Nimkov. I mean, he was winning that fight in one-handed fashion. I mean, the first round was kind of close. Second round was all Corey. Third round was even worse for Corey. He, he, he landed some good shots on the, on the feet, had him hurt. And then he ended up getting the takedown and was, and was battering him pretty good uh, before the unfortunate headbutt that ended the fight. I think when you look at resume combined with the eye test, the eye test being who has looked the most dominant, who has looked the best recently, I think it all adds up to Corey Anderson being the best guy in the world right now. And I think that that's the argument. It's not just resume. It's also how is he beating people? He is dominating and finishing people. And I think that, again, yes, I understand we had two rounds left. Vadim Minkov could have potentially come back. But we've seen no one do that to Vadim Minkov since he lost to Yuri Prohoshka several, several years ago over in Ryzen. Uh, since then, Vadim has been on an incredible win streak. He's earned his top five ranking, and Corey Anderson was dominating him. It was a one-sided fight, especially right up to the ending. So that being said, I think Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the sport right now. That may change in June because Glover is going to fight Yuri Prohoshka. The winner of that's probably going to end up being number one, and rightfully so because that's a very big fight. But for now, from now until June... Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the world. I, for one, Damon, I have to say that I think I agree with you, at least in this instance. It feels as if AK's case is based around the idea, well, the UFC champion should be the number one guy no matter what. Well, you know, recently... Glover lost really badly to Corey, too. Like, what are we talking about? At a certain point, we're, we're making these weird arbitrary cutoffs for everybody. Like, if you don't want to, if you want to take away the yawn fight from Corey the first time or the second time around, like, all of this is weird arbitrary cutoffs. Jed, let's throw it to you. I can see you stewing over there. Hit me. I'm the master of weird arbitrary determinations. And I'd like to first say that I have no fundamental issue with Damon's stance. If you think Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the world, you might not be wrong. Also, it does not matter because this division is garbage. So so your piece of garbage is slightly less moldy than my piece of garbage, but it's all trash all the way down the line. Strong opening. But for strong opening, my goodness. I'd say there there is there's possibly one piece of trash that's not trash, but is actually awesome. And that is Yuri Prashka. Uh, I will also admit that uh, I share, I have Yuri number one, and I share that with probably the most insane panelist in our ranking panel, which makes me feel a lot less good about having him in the top spot. Unnamed, 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 but the crazy, the, the person who will unnamedly be shamed later in this broadcast. Someone, someone who may also be an undefeated MMA fighter. Potentially. <laughs> And so I feel less good <laughs> knowing that kind of lineup that I've got. But at the same time, it, I can't do it. I just cannot physically put Corey Anderson as my top fight heavyweight in the world <laughs> because he's he's Corey Anderson. Like, and is that it? I, is that is just a fundamental hurdle that you can't cross? I don't think like, Jeff's I'm, the only one facing this problem. The thing is, I don't think. Oh, I AK, either, you, you relate to this? I and I and millions of Americans. <laughs> millions of americans don't know who Corey anderson is but the people exactly. who do no we just can't and i have never i've talked about it before i think on this pod i've never been able to get over daniel cormier just hitting him with a stray when he was blasting jimmy manoa and just like ethering his entire existence and it's like if this is the world we're in where Corey anderson is the best light heavyweight in the world 
just burn that division to the ground. And <laughs> so there are, in that world, there's really only one potential bright spot, and it's Yuri Prohashka, who's the man and awesome. And I think everyone on this pod and everyone we work with and everyone who follows the sport would say that he is absolutely the most exciting light heavyweight in the world. Whether he's the best or not is up for debate. He'll get a chance. As Damon said, in June, he's going to get a chance against Glover. But for me, it's it's the two things of – I don't want a world. I don't want this world to be real where Corey's the best heavyweight. And so I am going to believe in Yuri and hopefully he will prove me right. And also, like the fundamental aspect of how I rank people is if they're fighting tomorrow, who am I picking? I know a lot of people wouldn't pick Yuri over Corey. Maybe, maybe you guys would pick Corey. I'm sure that our, our colleague Mike Heck, who is driving the Glover, is going to beat Yuri bandwagon, probably would be in on Corey, but. I would take Erie over any light heavyweight in the world. Uh, maybe that's fanboyism. Uh, maybe it's just because he's dope and he deserves to be fanboyed. But I'm I'm riding this train until the wheels fall off. And God willing, those wheels will stay on through June and we will get an and new and the insanity can come to an end. And we can have Yuri Prohashka versus Magomed and Kalayev, two people who actually might not suck as light heavyweights. <laughs> It would be the best outcome for all of us. So that's a very that's a very good question. I, I actually, uh, I mean, I, we, I think we assume the uh, the Corey Anderson Nemkov rematch will be booked yeah. ASAP. Right? Yeah, that seems like yeah. the plan. Yeah. E, but even if it does, so this is kind of a more question for Damon. If if uh, Yuri Prohashka just like dusts Glover Teixeira, not going to happen. Let's say he just dusts him. Would that? I mean, is that possible for him to jump over Corey? Yeah, I just said, like, in June, chances, because, again, to me, it's it's about resume, but it's also about, you know, what you're doing right now. Corey dominating Vadim Nimkov in a fight that I do truly believe he would have won and potentially could have finished in the fourth round, I still count that as meaning something because Vadim Nimkov is very good, and he was getting dominated by Corey Anderson. Yuri goes out there and dusts Glover Teixeira. He's going to be number one. I mean, I just it's a it's a more it's a more impactful win. And the same thing goes, you know, Glover can go out there and dominate and finish Yuri. I'm not saying it negates Corey's win over Glover, but that is another high profile win to add to his resume. Again, now then maybe a month later, if Corey goes out there and washes Nimkov again, then maybe we switch again. That's just point the point of the rankings. It's it is recency bias to a certain extent. And the winner of Yuri and Glover, we're talking about in my rankings, the number two and number three light heavyweights. It's hard not to put the winner of that fight number one because how impactful they are to that division. I do have to what say, I, I love that Jed's methodology is essentially twofold. It's one, Yuri's awesome, and two, he's not Corey Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's Corey. it. Like, that's all it takes at this point. I have a question. Well, a, like, ABC, like, he's, using the, he's using the ABC method of doing this. Anyone but Corey. But Corey. Oh, nice. Look, if, if so, Magman and Kalayev hadn't thrown up a duck against Tiago Santos, he would have been my number one. But, but, he, I, yeah, that was, but he absolutely it was, did. It was he, such a bad performance that I can't. Even me, in, in all of my methodologies, couldn't be like, yeah, let's put Ankleyev at one. So so I'm riding with Yuri, baby. Let's go. Well, so so I have a, a question for both Jed and AK, because I'm with you, Damon. I think Corey is the best. It took me a while to get here. It was hard for me to actually say that out loud, but I feel like at this point, I don't. there's like not a really good argument against him right now. Like It's very crazy that we've reached this point. So Jed, AK... If Corey Anderson was just some other random dude, his name's, you know, Joe Lance Uppercut, 
Lance Uppercut's coming in here as a 205 pounder. He, he, you have no baggage with him whatsoever. You didn't know about him until, you know, all of this. And you just see the resume and you see what he's doing in Bellator and you see Lance Uppercut go out there and really like smash Vadim Nemkov to a level that we really haven't seen that guy get smashed. He owns a win over Glover. Like, is that at that point, are you like, oh yeah, Lance Uppercut's absolutely the best lightweight in the world or light heavyweight in the world. Is it just the Corey Anderson thing? Like if he if is he were- someone else entirely. If he were Korum and Dermagomedov, I like I might be like more compelled to put him number one. But it's just no, the baggage. I, there's too much baggage. No, 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 no. For me, for me, I'm, I'm just looking at it again now. My, my case was, you know, pretty besides the UFC factor, strength of competition, strength of competition. And I, I since so since their last losses, you know, Glover's last loss was to Corey Anderson. Corey was to Jan. I get it. I, I, the, the Bader win was really great at the time. The Nemkov essentially a win and obviously no contest officially performance fantastic it's just it's hard for me to give a guy number one when before that his wins were uh dovlet zan yag shimuradov and like melvin manhoof well done on that right and then glover jan blahovich who who, again the last guy to beat Corey anderson so mma math tiago santos people can you know judge how they how good he is at 205 i think he's a top 10 guy i think our rankings agree i believe he's in the top 10 or in the top uh He's 11 now. So, so Tiago Santos, Santos was good until he started right. fighting with no legs. That yeah, was his that, problem. That so. was slowing down. Tough, Smith, tough to succeed with that. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, just Smith, Anthony Smith still in our top 10. The Krillov fight was whatever. It was kind of ugly, but actually probably a better win at the time than it would have been now. Um, so the strength of competition is just so high for me. And Corey Anderson, again, Ryan Bader, Nemkov, great names. But guys who have kind of, I think both have, well, Nemkov now is five and Bader's kind of fallen out, but I guess that's more of a, cause he's, um, you know, a heavyweight now. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not like a huge, it's not like huge. And definitely I understand the head to head makes a big difference, but that, that's quality competition. I'm a big guy. That's how I do most of my rankings. So that's a, um, that's, that's how, uh, what it, what it comes down to, what it really does come down to for me is I think in, in terms of competition, they're fairly even. And I think the, what puts it over the top for me is that Corey did it's the is the Corey beat Glover. Yeah. Like that's that's what does it for me because I don't think the level of competition is so dramatically different. But Corey has the dominant, and it wasn't like a close fight. He took it on two weeks' notice, and he washed him. I mean, it was a thirty twenty six or whatever it was. It was a, it was a one. You know what I mean? I, it wasn't like it wasn't like a twenty nine twenty eight split decision somewhere. Like it was a thirty twenty six one sided beatdown. And I lo- yeah, the, but, I will but, say the one thing, my favorite part about that, because people, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, that was like four years ago. Glover Teixeira was 38 years old. Like, dude's <laughs> not a prospect who's growing leaps but, and bounds between every was, fight. Like, what do we, that was probably, a, is, Sean. That was probably a better version of Glover who was just fighting in a division with it Anthony is. Rumble Johnson, yeah. D- Daniel Cormier, and but, John but, Jones. But like, what are we talking about? The Jan Blahovitz win is bad. even bad. Yeah. The Jan, yo, the Jan Blahovitz win is even more recent. And I can't put Jan Blahovitz, I can't put, Corey Anderson over Jan Blahovich. I just can't do it. I can't do it. He, he I think that's entirely that's, that's fair. The thing. That's, that, fair. that's the thing that we haven't talked about. And for me, to get back to your original question, Sean, I don't think it would change my rankings if I if his name was something different. I was just Lance looking. If I mean, I'm, I might be more inclined because that name's substantially cooler than Corey <laughs> Anderson. Um, what if he had kept 25-8? If he kept 25-8, he would be my f- number one pound-for-pound pound fighter yeah. forever Agreed. because beasting yeah. 25-8 is one of the best nicknames in the yeah. history and you can't sport. beat it. You can't and beat then he turned it to a very stupid thing, which is the most Corey Anderson thing, but we're digressing. The point I'm trying to make is his resume is actually not like 
that good. It's fine. Like I'm not, and it's in but the, the context thing is, no of the one's resume is that good. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why what I'm saying is I don't think I'd change it because, like, sure, Yuri doesn't maybe doesn't have like a lot of big spots on his resume, but this man hasn't lost in six years. I take that very seriously when I'm looking at prospects or or just fighters in general because winning fights were sort of regardless of competition for extended periods is really really difficult his last loss was to Muhammad Lawal which he then avenged pretty authoritatively like so he hasn't had an unavenged loss since 2013 like to me I think I would have Yuri at the top spot regardless and frankly the only reason I have Corey Anderson as high as I do is because he has to win over Glover, and I think if they rematched, I, I would pick Corey to win that. But I agree. I agree. The Jan, the Jan fight really throws me in that situation because I think I would pick Jan to win a rematch there, though I'm not certain. But because Jan lost so definitively to Teixeira, you've got a bit of a rock, paper, scissors. And so I erred on the side of Corey Anderson because he's the youngest of them and so probably has the best chance of changing that dynamic in, in a future fight than Jan would. But... I think if you took names out of it, I would still be putting Yuri because I put a lot of value on being functionally undefeated for 10 years. Last thing on this, because we got to move on. We have two other divisions we want to hit. But we make fun of this division quite a bit in our various shows and, you know, whenever we're doing what we're doing. But is it kind of fun? Because I kind of so really like the idea that this division is so bad that we can't actually like figure out who the best of this mediocre group is. Like that's this actually a, really is, that's so much more interesting to me than just like John Jones being the best for this 10 years. is a far this is a far cry from John Jones being the best guy in the world. Because at right. least when John Jones was around, you could always be like, well, it's John Jones. He's you know potentially the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. Or even at DC, where it's like DC's yeah. the number two, but like you he's so far above. Yeah. Now let's be hold on, let, let's not forget. They said it was just on the MMA hour. They said Alexander Gustafson's coming back to light heavyweight. Maybe there's a body you can throw in there against somebody. Oh my gosh. But yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. But I agree. I agree. I think it's it, it's it's a it's it's not it's definitely not a deep division by any stretch of the imagination. And the guys that you would peg is like saying, Man, this guy's the future, then he goes out and puts on a abysmally boring performance against Tiago Santos on no legs. Uh, you know, because Ankaliyev, I'm with Jed. I I pegged Ankaliyev as the guy for a while now, and then he goes out and has that fight, and you're like, God, I can't. I can't such rank him any higher. I can't rank him any higher than he is. Like, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of fun when there's a bit of a, a bit of a garbage fire. It's kind of fun to watch a garbage fire. Yeah. And, and, and light heavyweight is muddled and middling in kind of a fun, interesting way. Not like women's bantamweight, for example, that is yes. like, if you want to talk about a division that's bad and just bad and not fun to talk about or look at women's bantamweight is rough. Dude, <laughs> it is brutal. Every month, every month, Shaheen, guys, uh, Shaheen and I do the for anyone listening, we do the writing for most of the writing for the 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 post that actually goes out. It is just a dead zone of interesting angles of, <laughs> of, of movement of movement in the rankings. And again, God bless all the talented uh, uh, fighters in that division. But it, there's just no. It's been like this for almost a year now. Coming up with the, 15 is tough. Yeah, Coming, like, end up, we mentioned it. We mentioned it so rarely. They fight so rarely. You get like maybe you get like maybe twenty five women's bantamweight fights a year. Well, like, I think it's something it's, like that. AK, we mentioned it in the first half of the show, but like GDR this month was out because yes. of inactivity. 
And I think a lot of us struggle to figure out a 15th person to put at the number 15 spot. Like that's just what it, like Aspen Ladd ended up getting that 15 spot for a lot of people. And she hasn't won a fight in how long? Like it's, it's I nearly, I, I nearly ranked one fighter twice because I thought I didn't have them ranked. I was like, Oh man, I found a 15th person. And then I realized I had them already ranked. I'm like, Oh my God, I really have no one to put in here. <laughs> I completely, I, you, I actually just forgot that the whole GDR thing. <laughs> So thank you also, for reminding me of that. <laughs> also, Bantamweight currently, we currently have Misha Tate in there, and she's theoretically not going to be that anymore. <laughs> I got to find two slots to fill this thing. That's wild. And there's, uh, you could put anyone. There's any, yeah. anyone in the world could fill it. They might be the 15th best. I have no idea. Uh, I think it's like the thinnest roster in the UFC. I could be wrong. Uh, I think I, just I, globally, out, like not out, even in the Outside UFC. of women's featherweight, I'm sure it is. Yeah. No, women's featherweight. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, that's not a real division, but of divisions that actually have divisions, like, <laughs> I, by, by my Love count, that energy. Like, there's 30 or less, I think 30 or less uh, women's bantamweight. That's less than heavyweight. That's less than, like, men's flyweight. There's not a lot. There, It's a really, Slim really shallow division. That is, yeah. that is less so we're clear that's less than men's flyweight a division they actively tried to kill not that long ago <laughs> that almost didn't exist <laughs> they they um, actively tried to put that out behind the i'm sorry arm I, I, and I, shoot I, it and they have more fighters in that division i took us out of how much, i apologize how much do you miss betch cohea right now it's all i'm saying she was every a stalwart of the bantamweight division well i mean every day every day yeah. all day like what are we doing one day at uh, a time damon one day at a time <laughs> Uh, let's move on because, like we said, there are two other divisions we wanted to hit today. And first is the featherweights. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Because look, y'all, sometimes we have bad opinions. When you, when you give outtakes as frequently as we do in this industry, can't all be winners. Sometimes there's a bad one sprinkled in there. Uh, they can't all be winners, Jed. And sometimes you choose really weird shit to plant your flag into the ground for. And then you kind of have the flag in the ground and you have to just be like, look, I, this is my position. I have to defend this position. Now I'm man enough to admit that I made a mistake. Where once I was blind, I now can see. Uh, it took me longer than it should have probably, but for the first time ever, we the Australian national nightmare is over in the MMA fighting rankings. We finally have a consensus. Alexander Volkanovsky is the number one featherweight in eight out of eight people's ballots. The last two holdouts were me and the undefeated EKC Layden. We finally relented with our Max Holloway stubbornness. We had him still ranked at number one for pretty much the entirety of this, the existence of these rankings. AK, did we finally land in the right place? And why do you think it took so long? And why are Casey and I such jerks? Well, it's not just you two. I mean, th- look, look, let's check out all the talk after the second fight. I mean, it, it was a very close fight. I think it's it's one of the robbery reviews I'm most proud of. Probably, I, I can't remember the traffic, probably one of the most read ones. I mean, it was understandable. It was, it, depending, honestly, depending how you score fights personally, I mean, there was a case for Holloway, you know, the whole pride rules thing. He, he knocked uh, he knocked or stunned Volkanovski twice. I think Volkanovski clearly won the last three rounds. But the images that people took away from that fight were Holloway hurting Volkanovski uh, significantly, not so much the other way around. Though I'm sure Holloway didn't exactly have a fun time in there getting whatever, have 100, 120 significant strikes, however many he got hit with in the last the last three rounds of that fight. But but that, that he's Holloway's such a popular fighter. Volkanovski, for some reason, is just kind of not clicking with people. Um, in like a mainstream way, and or wasn't? I, w- I would say I think he is now. I don't a little know. Bit. Like I, it feels I like know, he's I, crossed some sort of threshold with that. Well, he's definitely stopped caring, which always helps. It's definitely one of those things where you know some people try too hard to get people to like them, and of course that almost never works in sports in uh, any any realm of entertainment. And then once you kind of take on that ah, I don't give a crap attitude, then it's like oh you know you're playing hard to get a little bit, and suddenly people are a little more into you. Plus it helps that his fights have just been awesome. I mean the Ortega fight, one of the best featherweight telefights I've ever seen um the the zombie fight pure dominance um but I, I don't know but I but I, I I know why um I think part of it is also that we've kind of had to accept Holloway might be a guy who never fights more than one time a year again um and and he is 0-2 versus Volkanovski so it's just really hard even though we know he's as good as you know based on that one fight and based on his resume is like you could easily say he's as good as Volkanovski but we have to reward activity. We have to reward actual performance. We have to reward, like we said, a guy who's clearly starting to endear himself to a greater part of the fan base. Uh, will he ever be as popular as Max? I don't know. But I do think that uh, it's not hard now for for more people after the zombie win to, to, to say that this guy is better than Max Holloway, at least until they get to have that trilogy. I will say the the way in which like because ultimately what what causes right it's him beating Korean Zombie which that shouldn't like Korea I know we all hold Korean Zombie in high respect like we all you know he's he's a legend of the game he's one of the fan favorites but like beating Korean Zombie is not the best achievement that Alexander Volkanovsky has in his entire career it's not I wouldn't even say it's top three so like why was it this one right and for me it felt like this fight was such a flawless. A plus, just like whatever you go, you want to say is the perfect performance. That was basically it. 
to the point where it was almost like a slap in the face of just like, dude, like how long are you going to deny this? Like how long are you going to deny me that I'm easily the best dude in this division? And it's, it's becoming just like so in your face and apparent that like, if you're arguing for anybody else at this point, even if it's max, like, it's just not there. It's just not, it's not, it's not the same thing. And to me, this was like the real wake up call of like, dude, you're, you, you held in too long. Like you're just being ridiculous. Jed, am I an idiot for, for taking this long? Like the, the fact that it took this long. I, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you're not of all the corners to really want to die on. There are worse corners to be on as our unnamed panelist has staked some of those claims out. Uh, this one was always a very weird one to me because it it felt so much to me like it was just people really like Max and they are refusing. Totally to might be lost. part of it, too, if I'm being honest. Like I love Max. I, that. That is what it always felt to me because they fought for 50 minutes. And if you scored that last fight for Max, OK, the first one, I what honestly wasn't that com- it was competitive, but it wasn't close. And the first it, one was a blowout the, like out of real. out of the 10 rounds they fought Max at one at best four and probably actually only one three. And so to me, it has been extremely clear the whole time that Alexander Volkanovsky is the best featherweight. And it just felt like he's not popular. And so we all love Max and everyone was holding on to that, which honestly feels even more in in retrospect now as the as you were saying, him beating Korean zombie is less about. You know, oh, he beat Korean Zombie and more about, oh, he beat a guy who I really like. And now I can feel justified as opposed to him maybe beating Max Holloway, you know, because some people are still really dug in on that and beating Jose Aldo in a way that wasn't the most entertaining and kind of his even the Ortega one where it's like he almost loses to Ortega, whereas Max came out and blew him out of water, like blew him out. Yeah. And let's also interesting career in that way. And let's also not forget, you know, to defend your pick, even though I've had Volkanovsky number one the entire time, let's also not forget since losing to Volkanovsky, you know, hollow went out there and, and, you know, worked Calvin Cater and, you know, landed 800 significant strikes. And then he did have a bit of a war with the Rodriguez, but that was a really fun fight and he still won it and looked good doing it. And that's another top five opponent. So it's kind of like Holloway's done nothing to disprove that he's still the second best guy in the world at worst. You know, he's done nothing to dissuade that opinion. And if you truly believe he beat Volkanovsky the second time, I get it a little bit. Uh, even though, again, I thought the second fight was close enough to where I scored it for Max, but I had no problem with Volkanovsky winning. Uh, and he and he won handily in the first one, 49-46. And I agree with Jed. At worst, ma- at best, Max has won four rounds. And I think, you know, it's probably closer to three. So, yeah, I mean, that's why. But I understand it because not only had Max had that really close fight with Volkanovski the second time, but he's also done nothing to disprove his place in the division in his other fights, you know, beating Calvin Cater, beating Yair Rodriguez. So I get the argument, but, you know, at some point you got to come around on the talent and uh, and the uh, the appeal of Alexander Volkanovski. Not only does he have two wins over Max, but he now has, a, you know, a, a convincing whatever Brian Ortega. Yes, he got caught in a couple of dicey submissions, but he got out and, you know, beat up Ortega outside of that. And then to go out there and just put on a masterclass, a fight that he's supposed to win. He is supposed to beat the Korean zombie, but the zombie is one of those guys that we hold in high regard because he doesn't go away easy. He's not a guy you just put out and he went out there and just, I mean, perfect. Did, did zombie Funny. land a punch? Did he land anything in that fight? Like it was they- completely... 
Statistically, he landed like 50 shots according I don't to the stats. I don't and believe I, it. I had this conversation with Mike afterwards because I looked it up. was like, this cannot be correct. Yeah. There's I don't no, know what's constituting is, some of those punches. Like, nothing. That like is it. as close to a perfect, flawless performance. Like, that is a straight Mortal Kombat flawless victory as but we've like seen. But like four in the last rounds two of years. it. Like, it wasn't like yeah, a flawless one victory, round maybe. thing. Like, it was, I will say, I, I, there's something about the way all of this has played out. It almost feels to me like the worm has turned. A little bit where obviously Max and Volk are going to fight for a third time. If that had, had taken place a year ago, I would have favored Max. At this point, I, I wonder if we are too far gone down whatever this path Max is. Where like obviously he's still young. I think he's probably still in his 20s. I could be wrong, but I think he's probably like 28, 29 range. Um, he feels much older than that. Because in fight years, he probably is much older than that, right? Like this is the guy who's he's gone through. 30. Okay, so he just turned 30. He's, well, he turned 30 in December. Okay. So he just feels much older than 30 to me. And I wonder, like, if they if they fight, if they fight next, I'm favoring Alex. And I wonder if we kind of reached the best of Max. Like the 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 Yair Wars, like you can only do that for so much, man. Here here's what I'll say on this, because I think I have been amongst the bigger Max haters. Not that I'm a hater, but I just feel like I've been realistic and most of the MMA community has been not. I have been predicting he was going to fall off physically for like three years for exactly the stuff you're saying because he's been he's been competing since he was 18. He's taken a lot of like he fought Dustin Poirier in I that that the, adds two years of, to your life. I was saying, I was like, it takes off best, two years. Takes. Sean, we were at that fight. It we was were, one of the yeah. best fights I've ever seen, and it was a he took monster shots from Poirier. And I thought after that, I was like, he's just going to drop off. You can't. You can't take this. He's been so hard. Well, and also he, he had the, the cater. He, he had the, the the brain thing with yeah, like before the, he, the, yep, the Habib he, fight. He was having all these sorts of things. It was like he's just gonna fall off physically, and then he ate a ton of shots from Calvin Cater and Yair Rodriguez, and he he seems to be impervious to damage still. At some point, you imagine that will go away, but I've been thinking it was gonna happen for years, and it hasn't happened yet. So. I wouldn't at all be shocked if he's just made of something different than other men are. I just think, like, it's matchup-wise also, when you look at the way that Volkanovski, like, when you look at how Volkanovski dealt with Max in a way that no one else has done that. I mean, he took Max out of his game. He lowered the amount of shots that Max was able to throw and land. He took Max out of his game. Max, We know what Max does. Max is... The Energizer Bunny and, a, and a, you know, kind of like the Diaz style where he's just coming after you constantly with punches. He does not slow down. Yeah, the snowball Vol- rolling down a hill. Yeah, thing. Volkanovski slowed him down twice. Twice he did it because the latter rounds are the one in the rematch where Volkanovski won. He lost the early rounds and then he came back in three, four, and five and won. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think Volkanovski would be favored and I don't, there's not a featherweight on earth right now that I would pick to beat Volkanovski. And I think that also says a lot about where he's at because I like Patricio Pitbull. I've obviously been very high on AJ McKee. Uh, I like, you know, I like, you know, I, I wish we had gotten to see more out of Zabit before he went on his, you know, exodus from the sport, all those kind of things. But there's not a featherweight on earth right now that I would pick to beat Volkanovski. And I don't, none of those fights would I feel like, hesitant to pick him in like i would not feel like even in the trilogy with max like i think that's his toughest opponent but i still favor alex well i think one thing too that speaks to that is this past month we had a little bit of a change too with the pound for pound rankings where for pretty much the entirety that we have been doing this the pound for pound rankings have been comprised of the three kings the three african-born ufc champions kamara usman is Adesanya, and francis Ngannou taking up those top three spots <laughs> And finally, again, whatever it was about this one, the, the the fact that 
it's again, it's not even close to, to Volk's most impressive win, yet this is the one that did it. Volk has now invaded that top three. Volk is now our number three pound for pound male fighter in the sport. I have him number two on my list. I finally made a couple in a big way, I think. It is. it feels like there is almost like an overcorrection happening right yeah. now with Alexander Volkanovsky. That's very interesting to watch. Well, to be but, fair, I was the one I was the one to center. I did not move him up in my pound for pound rankings. No, and it's not, not, not because I don't like I think he's incredible, but I do weigh the zombie win. Like Korean zombie, again, great five fun fighter. You know, perennial top 10 guy. He, he's never been a top five guy. He's never been a legitimate. Like, I never thought he would beat Jose Aldo a decade ago, and I never thought he would beat Alexander Volkanovsky two weeks ago. So uh, is Volkanovsky amazing? 100%. He's incredible. Just that win in particular didn't do enough for me to say he's better than, you know, what the other guys in the pound for pound list. Featherweight, I mean, he's been number one for me for a while, but yeah. Yeah. You also had him at five, though. So, like, there's not a ton of room to move up. Yeah, same. Other, that's also other no. people. Like, I didn't yeah. move him either, but he's no, been we had four, four for me forever. Yeah, and that's same. Just, so, whereas other people, you know, there was some room to move him up. And I'm, I'm glad to see that cooler heads prevailed with our unnamed panelists who <laughs> had him, like, outside the top 10 pound for pound <laughs> fighters. I think 15 and, or something. Not look, me. And, not me, but it's somebody. Look, had him, yeah. It's someone, uh, again, it's someone who may have uh, recently won a fight. Um, listen, and, and Volker. Uh, Inactivity hurts. I know it hasn't been that long since Nganu fought. Like I'm, the UFC, he fought in January. <laughs> that's that's a lifetime ago. Where were you in January? Right. Can you even remember? You're about to make remember. an inactivity what, case. Yeah, what we we fought this oh, calendar year. No, no, but it's not just that. When is he going to fight again? We know that's not. not that is not. That does matter. No, it when does is Alexander Volkanovski going to fight again? We, we know have no he could idea. at least. We know he could at least fight again in the next three months. We know Francis Nganu isn't fighting to the end of the year. This is the same thing. This is no, 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 no. He Hold on, listeners. You can't tomorrow. You're not a time traveler. You don't have access to the future. You can't go Wait. and do this. Oh, oh so Francis Ngannou might fight this year. He might. He might. Actually, he might. He said, he said that, he's he recovering from that, knee surgery for the next like nine yeah, months. He said. No, he, he, he said he November. Said November, December is when that's like he right theoretically returns. That's part of the year. Is that still the um, year? That would still be somebody who fought twice in 2022. What are we talking about? I apologize, listeners. I apologize for letting these two guys talk this long. I should talk over them. Are you guys telling me that that Francis Ngannou is is just as likely or more likely to fight again this year than Alexander Volkanovsky? No, but what no, does I'm that have to do with anything? Because because we know we might we know Volkanovsky fought more recently. We know he's going to be active, so there's a reason we push him up. It matters. No, it matters if, to people. No, if he no, if he does no. fight and win again, then I will push him up. Yeah, but if he but but I can't say he's going no, I, to one. He's talking a lot of greasiness right now about maybe okay. I want to go to lightweight or I, like I have no idea what he's going to do and I'm. I'm going to project okay. that he's going to fight three I more times. If he does, listen, he'll be my top pound for pound I, fighter. I didn't move Volkanovski up because, like I said, I do think Ghana's resume is like super strong. But I will say, like, yep. it wouldn't surprise me if people at this point and their own personal listeners, you can tweet at us, whatever, your own personal pound for pound list, if you if people are already kind of dropping Ghana down just because, again, they don't think they're going to see him again soon. I think that matters. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, 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 that feels like a flawed way to look at it, but that's, that's just I, disagree, I disagree completely. So just because he's been out longer, he loses his ranking because he's not potentially fighting. That's what we're ranking it on. I mean, because that's I, that's the way I've seen a lot of people do their rankings. So I mean, I think I think you guys, whether looking at it, realizing it or not, if you look at your rankings, you have punished people for inactivity look. or for potentially inactivity. So Adesanya, Adesanya fought in February. Uh, I don't know. He hasn't been booked yet, so I guess I'm going to drop him out of my top pound for pound because I have no does idea he, when he's fighting he, next. AK. He, 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 people he, are he people are saying. Does he have people, any injury that's going to keep him out till November or December? No, no we know the, for sure he can't fight. 
you are correct in that I will punish him for inactivity. When that comes, I will preemptively <laughs> I'm, say, yeah, I'm saying, don't, well, I'm saying yeah, don't drop him to seven. Don't tell me it's the same thing. You guys are being disingenuous I, no. by saying it's the same thing. It's not I the same am. thing. S- today Completely it is. disingenuous. Today Completely it disingenuous. is. You dropping him in your <laughs> rankings. If you were to drop him in your rankings no. today because he probably won't fight this year. I know, but I'm saying in this world that you're talking about, today it is disingenuous. In four months when no. Volk has picked up another win, that's not disin- That's just realistic. He added no, another dis- win to his resume. All right. It's disingenuous to say it's likely that Ngana will fight soon. I'm I'm cutting in because I don't actually even know what we're arguing at this point. <laughs> like this is a very strange side road. Listeners know. I don't even need to make a case. Listeners know what I'm saying. This is the angriest I've seen AK get in like months. I'm not keep that same energy, AK. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Um, one thing la- I want to hit about the featherweights before we move on. Little side note to all of this. Bellator now following this Pitbull McKee saga that we have been following has two of the top four featherweights in the world in our rankings. Pitbull and McKee, number three and number four, respectively. Two of the top four. Does that feel correct? The fact that Bellator would have two of the top four at 145? No. Uh, you say no. no. Someone, tell me why. That, that feels okay to me if you are doing your rankings by my methodology of these people will beat these people in a given fight, which most of our rankings panel says that they do their methodology based primarily on resume and look Pipple Pipple did the damn thing against AJ McKee and that is awesome and I'm here for it AJ McKee's wins are over who in our current rankings like I'm trying to look at our featherweight the number three featherweight Pitbull that that's it though he's got one he has one win over a currently ranked fighter Pitbull has the win over McKee, which he also has the loss to, and he's got a win over Michael Chandler lightweight. Like that's that it's to me, it seems it's fine to do it from a, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably pick Pitbull to like beat, uh, I don't know, give me Ortega or somebody. Uh, Well, I hate, I'm well known for hating Brian Ortega, but I'd probably still (laughs) pick Brian Ortega, but I'd pick Pitbull to beat like Josh Emmett or whatever in a fist fight. So that's fine. But if, if you are saying you're doing it off of, off of who they've beaten, that feels a lot tougher because Brian Ortega is out there doing the damn thing. Arnold Allen hasn't lost in ever or whatever. But to that point, you know, to that point though, you mentioned, you mentioned Arnold Allen, who is Arnold Allen beaten? Yeah, uh, Dan Hooker. That's about Gil- Gil- Melendez. Gilbert Melendez. Four years ago, man, that's a big one. Uh, Nick Lentz. <laughs> Nick Lentz. Uh, he also has lost. Which yeah, yeah. So, well, has, but like, that's, you can also say that about AJ. You can say AJ hasn't fought anybody, but he, uh, yes, he just lost to Pitbull. But that was his first loss ever. And Dan and and Arnold Allen. Uh, he's his biggest win is now over Dan Hooker, who is like three and six at featherweight. I'm not sure. I'm not making that number up, but like he's not. He's, he was never. He might be right with that number. Uh, Nick Lentz and I like Sadiq Youssef very much. I mean, Sadiq Youssef's a quality fight, but again, not. And then after that, it's Gilbert Melendez, Jordan Rinaldi, Mads Burnell. There's your Bellator guy, uh, and Mac Wanamir Connie. So yeah, I don't know that Arnold Allen has really put together a resume to say, man, this guy's. Yes, he hasn't lost, but well, who's he beaten? I don't. I don't know that we're, anybody was propping up Arnold Allen. Maybe is the. Well, the, no, I'm just that, saying that, in that, that top that, five. I'm that, just that, you have to say that may have been the bad answer, but like I think it's even me, a man who is well known as hating Brian Ortega, thinks that like <laughs> Brian Ortega should be ahead of both of those gentlemen. 
Well, so Damon, I know you, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you have Pitbull at three and McKee at four, which I do, which I do as well. Like, why is that the move in your opinion? Like Bellator having two of the top four, why does it feel right for you? For one, I think, you know, you look at Pitbull's entire, Pitbull actually does have a pretty solid resume overall. I think, you know, the win over him is where AJ gets kind of jumped ahead because AJ was undefeated. I think in terms of level of competition, it's not that different from, as I mentioned, like a guy like Arnold Allen, who is considered one of the top guys in the UFC. And then you go out there and starch Pitbull in you know, two minutes, knock him out, and submit him basically in the same fight. That's the big quality win you need. Pitbull coming back and getting revenge in the rematch, eh, close fight again. And I think that's also why AJ didn't just bottom out and fall further down the rankings versus, like, let's say, an Alima Lay McFarlane who loses to Justine Kish there's a reason why she went completely out of my rankings because that's a really, really bad loss. loss. Pitbull beating AJ McKee in a in a three to two, you know, 48-47 decision is not a terrible, terrible loss. So AJ only fell back one spot for me where he was number three. Now he's number four, and Pitbull did get a win over a guy I consider to be a top five featherweight. So Pitbull slots in at number three. I like Brian Ortega. I'm kind of with Jed a little bit on the Brian Ortega thing. I've never been super, super high on him, uh, but I can't completely erase his resume but you know i mean getting you know getting getting you know into getting close to beating alexander volkanovsky with two submissions but this then getting you know beaten into hamburger meat for the rest of the fight doesn't really add a whole lot to him does he, he does have a convincing win over a korean zombie but you know where does zombie really right at this point in his career so yeah i mean based well, on what they've done recently pitbull and aj McKee right there again ortega's number five in my rankings I, I can't put i just can't put him at number three as we just discussed, beating Korean Zombie suddenly makes you one of the best pound <laughs> fighters in the world. So. Apparently so. Yes, apparently that's true. <laughs> Jed, I am, I am a little confused by one thing. Uh, I'm not calling you out, but you did say using your methodology, me then you, you would understand why Pitbull and McKee are in the top five. But ironically, you're the only one who doesn't have both guys, I think. Uh, I think you're the only one who, who doesn't have both guys. Yeah, he is. In the by top five. five and six. Yeah, yeah I mean, mean, close enough. But well, why, then, why, like, then why aren't they saying, Arnold Allen? I mean, because I would pick Arnold Allen to beat them, but if okay, that is okay. the way, if that's the okay. way you're you're doing it, is that way? Like, totally get it because I'm I would not bet my house that Arnold Allen would win a fist fight against either man. I would just pick him to win that. I've I've been big on Arnold Allen forever, and I was really impressed by his the way he approached the Dan Hooker fight. Uh, and so I'm you know I'm I'm investing early in that Arnold Allen stock because. It's it's great. You wanna you wanna get it on the ground floor so you can say I told you so. I told you guys. Arnold well, you're, well you're, you you've been, so, uh, you got, you you bought a new house off those uh, Hamza dividends. Well, hold on, yeah, those <laughs> Hamza dividends. And and let me tell you, uh, I've got I've got some lightweight stock that. Uh, oh no, it's gonna that's gonna cash out at some point, buddy. Islam Makachev oh, is no. going to going to pay for my kids' college. So let's that's a perfect seg to our final segment here because you're talking about investing early, getting in on the ground floor. The last division we want to hit today is the Bantamweights. By the dip, baby. Because we had a lot of conflict resolution in our rankings this month, especially the tops of these divisions. And Bantamweight was almost the perfect example 
uh, ever since we've started these rankings, there has been no consensus at all between the Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yawn situation. At one point, uh, there was a lot. Most people were pro Aljo and then people became mostly pro Peter. And then it kind of has flopped back now to where seven out of eight of our panelists have now conceded Aljamain Sterling, the number one fighter in the world at this weight <laughs> class. There is still one man who is holding out for Peter Yawn uh, on our rankings. I do not understand it at this point. He, he said he scored the fight a draw. He said he scored the fight a draw. Well, you know. Okay. Whatever. He's uh, not here to defend himself. I'm just. But I'm just I will say again, speaking to what I was just speaking to about getting in early, Jed, you have been at one. I think at one point you were sort of the last man standing with the Aljamain Sterling train. Maybe one other person was there with and you. One but, other. One but other you were more or less the last man holding holding the T-shirt, waiting to to you know get your shine. So I gotta say, you get a little victory lap here because you were right. You were right, and everyone has now come to your side. Take the victory lap. We don't give it out often. Congrats. I'm not I'm not gonna take a big one because I it was not a pick I felt the most confident in, certainly. Because even going into that their rematch, I was like, oh, Peter's probably gonna win this as I watched a bunch of tape. I think at one time, point you told me there is no actual way Aljamain's gonna win this fight after watching tape. Yeah, because and that was a bit hyperbolic because I wrote for the site saying, here's how Aljo can win. It was basically exactly what it did. I didn't think – I knew that it was possible. I just didn't think it was possible for him because of the way he's fought and all the bag he was carrying. I just assumed he would not be really smart and really good. And then he was both of those things. And now that man's taking the world's biggest victory lap and no one deserves it more. But the whole time I've just – I treated Aljamain Sterling's win over Peter Yan as a legitimate win the first time because I firmly believe that that was a legitimate win. And I, this second one I thought was a pretty clear 48, 46 for him. And he's, he's the best band away in the world. You know, like maybe Peter Jan uh, will get a third crack at him and be able to do the thing that time. But if, if they're rematching, I'm still going to pick Aljamain Sterling because I still think he can be a human backpack to anybody at this weight class that he's really good and he I'm I'm glad he is finally getting the shine and everybody everybody well almost everybody can't say everybody because obviously yeah, it's unbelievable that we're still having this debate <laughs> some person decided that it was not but can I defend almost this everybody after, kind go ahead, of go almost everybody is on board to at least acknowledge that Aljamain Sterling has done enough because he has Outside of the Purion fights, his resume is better. He has just done more and deserves to have the recognition as the best guy in the world at his weight class. Can I defend the because he's not here? Absolutely, and it's indefensible. Do you, it do is you no, really need to? I, no, I actually, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I of course, I, listen. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm on the Sterling. I'm back. I'm back on the Sterling train, but I understand where our, our dear friend is coming from because, uh, okay. So he thought Jan was winning the first fight, but I'm with you, Jed, you know, I still count that as a legitimate win for Sterling. DQ win is a DQ win rules rule. So uh, there's no asterisk next to that win for me. That's Sterling won that fight. I'm sorry. It's uh, he did. He won by disqualification. You just say it every time, you know, and that, that, and that, that matters, that matters how he won, but that is official. Um, uh, this fight again, I, I understand the draw. I, I saw a lot of people scoring at a draw. So if you thought that Jan won the first fight and then did enough to fight Sterling to a standstill and you already had 
um, you know, yawn ahead, then I can understand why you wouldn't switch their positions. I, again, I scored the fight for Here, Sterling. Here's ahead, my my issue with that exact argument, though, because okay. I, I think that there's a very clear problem with that argument. And the problem is you are scoring the first fight, not based on the actuality of it, but how you felt a thing was going. However, any human being in the world who watched that second fight, if you want to score it a draw officially okay but the winner of that fight was clearly Aljamain Sterling he is the one who if you just ask somebody off the street who won that fight they'd be like yeah that dude who had the other guys back for 10 minutes he clearly pride rules won that fight and so Wait, who, was not- here? who was this who was this educated person that you <laughs> yeah, ran- this to on the rando on the street talking about pride rules <laughs> what? The, who, I, I'm just saying in this circumstance, you are giving Jan the benefit of the doubt in the first fight and not extending that same benefit to Aljo in the second. And that feels entirely a I do not personally want. It's a Corey Anderson. Yeah. I personally don't want to put Aljamain Sterling as the best guy because to me, to me, those things are very closely related. And if you're going to do that for Jan, you need to extend the same courtesy to Aljo if you call it a draw. OK, it's a draw that Jan lost in the same way that sure it's a dq that jan won 100 percent. i mean this, this is this is it's me standing on my holloway corner like at a certain point you lose you lost you were wrong like you gotta just admit it that's no, this 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 <laughs> gentleman panel this gentleman panelist uh has many opinions which i find truly heinous uh this is not this is not one of them this is one i just i disagree with it I well here, with it. here I, I'm here's with you guys. the I disagree, but i think there's a i think there's a case i and i think you're completely completely insane there's no case there's not a case because, <laughs> preach. Okay. Preach. because because here's the thing here's the thing like okay we like i earlier i made my argument about Corey anderson being number one light heavyweight based on the fight how it was going with vadim nimkov understanding there's going to be people who are going to argue there were still two more rounds to go i get all that but based on the visual what i saw i saw a better fighter in Corey anderson beating vadim nimkov under that statement of argument, that's also why I had Peter Yan ranked ahead of Aljamain Sterling. Based on the way the fight was going up to the DQ, Peter Yan was winning one-handed. You know, it was a one-sided fight to that point. Outside of the first round, Peter Yan was dominating him going into that fourth round, and of course, we had the unfortunate ending. So I still had Peter Yan ahead of him. I don't see how you could potentially even argue against it now that Aljamain Sterling is number one. Not only... Was he winning the fight? He again, what you know, to just you know back what Jed said. He had the most dominant moments in the fight. He had his back for two. The fact that I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it. I'm, I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. The <laughs> fact that he got no, do the it. fact that there was no 10-8 round in that second round is still utterly ridiculous to me. And you could even you could make an argument for round three, but or for you know for round three, but I'm not. I'll just say round two for sure. Aljamain won that fight. You can try to argue with me it was a draw. It wasn't a draw. Aljamain Sterling won the fight. And if you add in the DQ, even if you don't like the way it ended, then Aljamain Sterling is the number one bantamweight in the world. Peter Yan is number two. I have him number two. And I'll probably leave him number two unless he loses. That's it. End of argument. You cannot justify to me Peter Yan still being number one in the world based on any rational thought. Now, if you want to be irrational, which... Let's be honest, rankings are from time to time. Okay, fine. And it, it, it's going to be chaos rules, and so be it. But in this case, Aljamain Sterling has done everything he needed to do to take his victory lap. 
I was wrong about the rematch. I was completely wrong about the rematch because I, I was so high were. on we all were. I was so high on Peter Yan. I was like, man, no one's gonna be Peter Yan right now. Aljamain David went was out the there. most wrong, though. I was. I was. I was the most wrong. But it wasn't Aljamain I was wrong about. I was yeah. 100% on the Peter Yan train. I was like, man, Peter Yan looks unbeatable. What he did to Corey and you know what he did in the first fight, I was like, he looks unbeatable. Aljamain Sterling went out there and fought the perfect game plan. Did he take his foot off the gas a little bit in rounds four and five? Sure. But, you know, again, he went out there and completely dominated two of the rounds, and at least one of those should have been a 10-8. But neither here nor there. Aljamain's number one, Peter Jan's number two. That, to me, is the end of discussion until they meet again or, you know, Aljamain loses. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, I was wrong. I'm willing to accept that I was wrong. I was wrong a couple different times in this pod. It just happens. We all were wrong for the most part. Even Jed was wrong, who was the only oh, yeah. person here who was saying he was actually right. He was wrong too. So it <laughs> happens. I have no regrets. I'm I'm no regrets guy showing my chest right now with a yep. no regrets tat. Like I, can I, I tell together. you, we got him together. I, I feel great I about you, where I was at. Can I tell you ahead of time though? I'm just gonna put a spoiler in here for next month's rankings, and I don't want to. I'm just, I know we gotta wait till the fights play out, how things are gonna go, but I'm just gonna tell you ahead of time right now. My pound for pound rankings are gonna change in june in may because i'll tell you right now lance uppercut is gonna get a spot in that <laughs> yeah, top five pound yeah. for pound i'm just saying <laughs> right in there. lance just uppercut long. is 100 gonna get a spot in that top five i'm just saying what, people what are about, sleeping on lance <laughs> what about some of these other hitters of bantamweight though you know bellator got some well they, so some some of them gonna break into your pound for pound is is danny sabs d sabs gonna make a run for you oh I mean, we don't even need to go down a Danny Sabatello side road because we're going to be talking for three hours if we do that. But that's a great segue for the last thing we wanted to hit about the bantamweights because right now, if you look at this bantamweight top 15 we have on MMA fighting, and even just the top 13, really, it's unusual in that Bellator has four of the top 13 bantamweights in our top 13 bantamweights in the world. That, to me, I might be wrong, but that, to me, feels like the most any non-UFC promotion has had in a single division in our rankings. And I, so I, I throw it to all of you guys. I mean, A, did we get this right? B, is that like, is Bellator's bantamweight division kind of low-key the most impressive division a non-UFC promotion has had since, like, the days of Strikeforce? And I guess among those that group, like who you guys highest on? That's a bunch of questions to throw out there, but just in general. Actually, Gene, as you know, I, I'm a facts checker. I, I do believe we must have at some point have had Corey Anderson, Bader, Phil Light Davis, Nemkov, and probably Rumble Johnson, right? At some point. Maybe not Rumble. I don't know all the sense of the way well, Rumble works. Well, well, he's in there now. Oh, no, right yeah, you might be right. That actually is so, fair. <laughs> so he probably was in there. But light heavyweight's so weird. So that's light like bantamweight. Is, oh, you mean you mean real normal division? Yeah, like an actual division. Oh, okay. oh, like, like a, a real good division. division. <laughs> like an actual good not, division. Not piles <laughs> of garbage. A division that many people wrongly claim is the best oh, in the sport. Uh, yeah. Uh, wait, are you talking about bantamweight? Yeah. Okay. Oh. We don't. We don't need to go down there. Stop it. Um. Did we get this no, right though? And like, is this is this say something? Like, is this the best division right. you've seen in a while outside it feels of the right. It feels right. Bellator has invested. This is what it, guys. This is what happens when you invest in a division. Bellator has invested, bringing in Sergio Pettis. Um, you know, Pettis committing to to, to one thirty five. Um, making Horaguchi a permanent part of the roster. You know, not not just sort of this kind of shared rising uh, talent that they had. Um, signing guys like Patrick Mix, Juan Archuleta, um, uh, Rufian Stotts. These are quote unquote homegrown. Bellator guys, that's big. Their, their scouting department's on point. Um, they they did the Grand Prix. They promoted the division well. It it feels like a perfect fit for for the rankings right now. Having uh, Pettit, we got Pettis at eight, Stotts at nine, 
Horikuchi 13, Mix at 12. Uh, some people, I, I don't think so. I think our top seven is pretty solid, but I'm sure there's some who would say, hey, some of, the, some of these names, maybe a Pettis, maybe, I don't know, maybe not Rufian Stutz yet, but like a Sergio Pettis belongs in the top five. I don't know. I wouldn't go that, I wouldn't go that crazy yet because, again, I do think this is a strong, very, very deep division with a lot of people with uh, established resumes. But if you're Bellator, you can certainly tout, like, well, we think Pettis could beat uh, Rob, Fa- uh, well, I'm sorry, that fight happened. We think, <laughs> we think Sergio Pettis yeah. could be, I don't know, and that, Sanigan maybe, but that at the that at its core, and mm. I have three Bellator fighters in my top 15, but they're on mm-hmm. the latter part of the top 15. It's not because I don't think they're good. It's because, and listen, I like Sergio Pettis. Solid what he's done, beating you know Juan Archuleta, going out there and doing what he's done has been impressive. That being said, I cannot forget what he did in the UFC. I can't forget him getting 30-26 by Henry Cejudo. I can't forget him getting beat by Rob Font. I can't erase those from my memory. So if Sergio Pettis is the gold standard of Bellator's bantamweights, I can't crack that top seven eight in the rankings. I just can't do it because I will, of who I will say though, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know that Sergio Pettis is the best bantamweight in Bellator. I don't think any of us would actually say and like I, if I it's think, just a know, free for all. Like I think he loses to Horiguchi in a rematch, and I think Stotts probably beats him as well. And I, I and listen, I, I think Stotts ranked above him. Yeah, Stotts. Stotts looked. I mean, Stotts getting that head kick was incredible, and I really look forward to the day we get to see Stotts versus Danny Sabatello because uh, people forget Stotts was actually a Division Three national champion at one point in wrestling. So D2? that's gonna be really interesting. Uh, yeah, I know D three. I'm not sure if he was D two. I think I, he was D three. I think I think he was a D three and a D two. I think he okay. Both. I know he was a two time. I know he was two time. And then Danny, of course, wrestled at Purdue, which is Big Ten, which is the best you know in in all of college wrestling with Penn State and of course the Ohio State University. Uh, that being said, I look forward to that match. But Stotts has looked incredible, and you can't deny what Patchy Mix went out there and did to Kyoju Horiguchi, who we all have a lot of respect for. I just which by the way, I'm I'm still stunned by. Like that was the if I had to pick one result on that card that between the bantamweights that i felt really confident about i thought horiguchi was gonna win that i'm gonna i'm gonna have to start jumping back into our fight picks again because i absolutely would have picked patchy mix to win that fight but uh that was a good win so yeah i still like they're all there i just i have a hard time bumping them higher than where they're at right now and again i think like if i look at my rankings right now like i you know when you look outside the top seven you're talking about dominic cruz you're talking about pedro munoz you're talking about marlon vera chito vera they're all those are guys you could see them jump, but I, I I don't think they'll ever get to the point where I'll say unless they just lose and they just look terrible. Like I can't imagine moving one of them over Morab. I can't imagine moving the one of them over Dillashaw or Aldo or Sanhagen. Like that, I think it's going to take a lot for the Bellator guys to get close to that like top seven. But do they deserve the spots in the top fifteen? Hundred percent. I come down somewhere in the middle of this. I think there's some opportunity we overcorrected here because. I think there's some opportunity that we are all just too high on Kyoji Horiguchi and because of it's totally possible and, and because Correct. the way that it works out like okay well Pettis beat Horiguchi so we have to have him in there and Mix just did it and we have to have him in there we don't want Kyoji to drop and then Stotts probably would beat Horiguchi and it's just like you sort of because we all like Kyoji we just had to put four of them in I don't think it's wrong though I think ultimately kind of where I've as I've been thinking about this is uh, the problem is, for as much as people want to say that Bantamweight's the best division, it's a great division, it's really fun, it's also in this weird spot where the UFC rankings have a lot of people who are, frankly, old. Like, Dominic Cruz is Dominic Cruz, and I've never been a huge Cruz guy, whatever. I think it is unquestionable that he is not at his peak, and he is holding on to a 
ranking in that division based on not competing that often and a name. Frankie Edgar is also old. Marlon Marias is still in the UFC's rankings, and he retired and d- had, was killed five times in a row or something insane. <laughs> like, it's a weird transition stage for their, for their rankings, and so it's this very, very easy to say, okay, well, these four guys who are competing and doing things, we can put all of them in, and I don't think it's wrong. I also think that, like, it's totally possible that any of those guys could come to the UFC and be a fringe top 15 dude because we saw Sergio Pettis lose to Rob Font. So to some extent, I guess I'm with Damon in that I don't think they're going to make make a run to the top. And I think where they're at is fine. I also think it's very possible that maybe if they were in the UFC competing against this sort of rotation, they would not be quite as high as they are. So it's just kind of an interesting way with how, me- how this division works right now. Can I throw out a question I'm just curious about? Because where I have them ranked, I have them like at like, I think I have them like 12, 13, 14, like right at the bottom of the top 15. 11, 12, 13, yeah. Yeah, right there. Right, they're right, they're right towards the bottom. Uh, and I like all these guys. One guy I don't have ranked who I do, I legitimately do think he's a really good guy. He just hasn't had great competition is Sean O'Malley. Would you pick any of those three guys to beat Sean O'Malley? I have all four of them ranked sure. above Sean O'Malley because I, would, I believe all of them would beat him. Though I think Pettis would be the most interesting fight. O'Malley could yeah. beat Pettis. I'm just curious. I'm just like O'Malley's not in my rankings, but I would pick O'Malley to beat Pettis. I would pick him to beat Stotts. Oh, and I wouldn't. I, think, I would, oh, I would no, not I would pick, pick him Stotts to beat Stotts for that all day. And I, I think I think Patchy Mix would be the one really interesting one because of the grappling factor. But yeah, I, yeah. I would pick Stotts and Mix over O'Malley all day. Pettis, I'm with you. And frankly, I I would pick Horaguchi, but it's might be one of those things where I'm I only saying I only use O'Malley as an guy. example because of, no, O'Malley's I think that's not a good example. I think that's O'Malley's good. not in my he's top 15, but he's like on the fringe. Like he's like that yeah. guy. I think he got bumped. I think he was in my top 15. He got bumped mm-hmm. because Mix went in and Same. and Stotts went in because Stotts wasn't in my top 15 before. Now he is because you knock out one Archuleta, that's a good win. I will say, Jed, I think your point about Horaguchi is really interesting in that I think we all just really like. Kyoji Horiguchi and so the fact that he's in this mix and now is losing to these guys almost forces us to put them in yeah. <laughs> like that's a really interesting yeah. point and I MMA think that's math. accurate because that's MMA math at work because somebody e- even after somebody, two losses I remain very high on Kyoji Horiguchi maybe somebody that's on this somebody in this wrong, podcast but, dropped Horiguchi out of his top 15 I'm just saying just saying <laughs> somebody here did I don't think that's wrong I I also again I would pick Kyoji to beat Marlon Vera so that's why he's in my sure. my rankings like, yeah well I don't disagree with you there the hell out of Marlon Vera so so let's end on this because we've gone long I, I just quickly to everybody of these four and we'll even throw our, our boy D Sabs in there Dennis Sabatello could be in this as well so the five guys that are sort of in this bantamweight mix right now for Bellator who, if you had to just pick one, give me one name, who's most likely to pull a pit bull to where a year from now we're like, oh, is this dude a top three guy in this division? Stotts for me. Stotts. I, I think I agree. Stotts. Yeah. Stotts, Stotts for me as well. I think Boy. the ceiling's pretty high on him because I he's a great striker, but I think people forget his wrestling, man. He's a tremendous he's wrestler too. Great so. promo too. Great promo. You'll be seeing a lot of stats yeah. over there. Yeah, That's like, the thing too. Is the lead up to a Sabatello stats fight would be really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of I, I have a lot of respect for Juan Archuleta. I had him ranked uh, until mm-hmm. this most recent thing for a long time, and yeah, I think Stotts is and I, Stotts is the best of the bunch. And I think out of all of us, I've probably been the highest on Patchy Mix, and I'm still very high on him. But there's still parts of his game that worry me. 
You know, like when I see what happened to the Archuleta fight, when I see like when he has know, to strike, is that the yeah, part of the game? <laughs> when he can't just get a backpack? Yeah, but uh, to that, yeah, he hasn't developed the way that Sterling did, where Sterling actually added real good striking to his game when he went out there and outstruck, you know, Pedro Munoz and beat him up on the feet for three rounds. Like, he developed that. That's what Patchy Mix is missing. But Stotts is the complete package, in my opinion. He's an incredible striker, and he's a phenomenal wrestler, too. Like, 100%. Um, yeah, so I take back. By the way, I was not. I, 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 I'm wrong. I, I would pick Stotts to beat O'Malley. I, I'm wrong about that. But I would pick O'Malley to beat patchy and uh and um and uh sergio sorry i mixed that up i would pick him to beat those guys look I, i've taken a lot of l's watch him fight i've taken a lot of l's on this podcast <laughs> i'm gonna take one victory lap i was way early on the stats train i had him ranked when no one you, else had him you ranked. Did. You yeah. did. and you guys were slow uh, on it and so i'm gonna take my one victory lap that i get this what? podcast uh because otherwise no, you deserve gotta, it because you've had him wow. there for a hot minute at the back end of your ranking he yeah. was he was one of those guys who just kind of slipped under he kept slipping under the radar like he was good but i was like yeah but you know who's he be, you know who's Which he is, beat in it's funny because he's a great promo he's a he great is. press like he does he great is. press conferences it's just but him. when he when he did that to archuleta when you head kick archuleta like that and archuleta is just you just again i have I, even though i don't have archuleta ranked i have a ton of respect for one archuleta you go out there and head kick him the way he did and beat him that's a phenomenal win to me. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the MMA Fighting Rankings Show. Let's go ahead and wrap it here. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always, for joining us. Keep it locked to MMA Fighting. The next few weeks are going to be a little crazy. I mean, we have UFC 274 coming. We have the return of Kayla Harrison coming. All sorts of stuff coming out of Bellator as well. We just got a very busy schedule rolling in as we hit the summer. Uh, so keep it locked to MMA Fighting. As always, we will be back again next month, breaking down all the action from what looks to be a very, very interesting May. Uh, that man is Jed Mishu. For Damon Martin, for Alexander Kaylee, I am Sean Oshadi. We love you guys, and we'll see you next month. I just realized so, how much Patchy makes his fucking this whole program. It's like no, it's I gooch. Put, it's gooch, man. It is, you were hundred percent right is. with the gooch thing. Yeah. What well, is to like also one or two of them Patchy mix, and the, I can't pull in because like uh, he's dominant food, and also. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.